0: I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. And, you know how I always make those interesting comments during the game.
1: Personally, I think we got hosed on that call.
2: Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Do you believe in miracles yet? Well, you know they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show
0: host. This is in the booth. Talk show host. That's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the
1: time. With Matt Park. Good to have you with us. Hope you're safe on the roads out there here in central New York as a driving snowstorm has come upon us. Slow going on the roadways. So pump the brakes, keep the hands at 10 and 2, and hang in there with us for the next hour. Last show of the year for us here uh, in the booth on ESPN Radio and headed into a great game at the Carrier Dome tonight. I would imagine that uh, there's some trepidation related to the weather. So if you are on your uh, way in, planning on coming to the game tonight, do allow for yourself a little bit of extra time to get in. And if uh, we can keep you company, we will be on the air tonight at 5.30 from the Dome and a 7 o'clock start. As uh, Max just pointed out, the 10-1 and one and streaking Orange who have won four in a row and the 9-2 and two and streaking Bonnies who have won six in a row. St. Bonaventure hasn't had a seven-game winning streak since the early 80s and uh, Syracuse has a long winning streak against Bonaventure, but this is uh, about as close as you might imagine. St. Bonaventure, you could argue, is at the high point of their program uh, probably since the Jim Sadlin years when they uh, won the NIT or involved in the NIT, and Sats will be with us uh, a little bit later in the show to uh, get his outlook on the matchup tonight. Happy for him. St. Bonaventure is a very underrated fan base. I think you'll notice... Uh, when you get to the Dome tonight, oh, gee, I didn't realize all these people that I saw at work or whatever are, uh, are bonnie's. We had Donna DeTota on the show yesterday. She's a Bonnie. And uh, there's probably more than you're aware of. So you'll see some uh, brown brown and white. Brown's not a great school color, I wouldn't think, but uh, you'll see some of that What's wrong with in brown? the Dome tonight. You're a Padre, guys? How would yeah, you, yeah. That's why you're, you're whole, sticking up for the my brown? My whole
2: life has been brown.
1: Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But your sports teams, is too, they, you know, at least they own it, the the taco uniforms of the the brown and gold Padres of of your youth. Um, I want to hear one more thing. Max said yeah. in the uh, the sports center, the women
2: lost. Uh Yes. Mississippi State. No surprise. No, Yeah, but they're fifth in the nation. And usually in women's basketball, when fifth plays unranked, they win by 70. <laughs> right. they, they, they only lost by 11.
1: Forget so. about it. Women's basketball, when one plays five, it could be yeah. a 30-point game. Yeah, and they were they, they uh, were
2: competitive. 11 points yeah, is competitive. I think, the, I think
1: they're way ahead of schedule. I think this team is better than uh, probably was expected. They're going to be good at, uh, really good in the next couple of years and uh, into conference play. I think they'll be very good against all but the very cream of the crop. The, they should win today against Vegas. Their game after that is against Notre Dame on the road, which will probably be a, uh, a tough order, and then uh, at Virginia on the road, which they could win. So, um, And uh, as a long streak of games that are away from the Carrier Dome, and then they get their chance to make up for that uh, schedule back here at home. So the Orange Women now 11-1. and one.
2: And Notre the, Dame is second in the country.
1: Yeah, the Orange men should be eleven and one after tonight, as long as they take care of business against the Bonneys. We'll talk with Mike Waters about that game coming up. We did the uh, in the booth show lunch today to uh, celebrate the holidays. I put the jaws of life on my wallet and took the uh, the guys to lunch. And b- boy, we I think we really learned more than we cared to about Joe at the lunch, Paul. Yeah, Joe uh, is first a of weird all. Is he cat. done eating yet? Is there a slower <laughs> eater in America? What?
2: He moved, he eats at the same pace he moves.
1: Yeah. Like he legit Well, was, that's a sore subject related to the show. Nothing really happens with any urgency with Joe involved.
2: We were uh, we were done eating and he was still three bites into his burger.
1: I would imagine he would say he was enjoying it better or wh- whatever, but I got not view that as a real dining experience down the road that we're going to, you know, <laughs> savor every bite. We're there to kind of get the job done and get some nourishment and. He's a weird kid. Spend a little time. He's learned a little bit about his childhood. So do you think? So he said when he was a kid he wanted to be a mortician. Do you think he ever asked Santa Claus for mortuary knickknacks and things like a scalpel and? I'm assuming. Well, I yeah. guess that'd be more of a, a I, coroner, not a not a funeral director or that type of thing. I can't but grasp what a parents, parent's reaction a
2: would be to that. Like you know, it's yeah. not a bad job. It's a great job. You know, somebody's got to yeah. do it. But at seven, to be wishing for that job, like I want to yeah. be a cop, I want to be a fairy well, he said when princess. We, right.
1: yeah. yeah, he's. he be, can a, be a fairy princess too. But um, he said I was not a happy child. That kinda, <laughs> I kind of I died a little bit inside hearing about that. He must have gotten coal in his stocking back in the day. So I, I, we'll delve into that with uh, with Joe coming up some dark thoughts. And I don't want to have any dark. I want to I want to be fun. You know, I want Bing Crosby and. All the good fun stuff. I got my Christmas red sweater on today. What's your favorite
2: Christmas carol, Matt Park? Or Christmas song? You know,
1: that's a good question. Um, I kind of play the field there, you know, with um, various eras and genres. Um, I kind of like the, I do like the ones you sing at church, you know, the the joy to the, like the uplifting, you know, joy to the world. Oh, uh, come all ye faithful, silent night. I am a but uh, i I wouldn't really you know i i like Christmas and hollis too if you want to go there i mean
2: I'm a Christmas wrapping yeah. fan that's well, my favorite one by the uh the waitresses
1: and I can tell that you're googling it as we speak but uh I like the classics
2: i'll, I'll bump out with Christmas- chestnuts rapping.
1: roasting on an open fire and all that jazz
2: that's that's interesting to me like you, not a wham Christmas guy or i have no a problem Mariah with that either i think
1: uh, no problem with those. No problem. I've had the uh, satellite radio Christmas stuff on lately. And I mean on the sunny 102 as well. (laughs) They probably play a lot of Christmas music down the hall, don't they?
2: Uh, During Lights on the
1: Lake, yeah. You get one
2: or two an hour. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Lights on the Lake. Well, I mean, some
1: people are playing it all all Christmas all the time. We have heavy hearts in the sports world uh, today. Um, You know, on this show, we talk sports. We talk to, with, about uh, broadcasters. That's why we call it uh, In the Booth and... Uh, We lost an icon today.
0: Oh, my. And Martin, touchdown. Oh, my. Six, five, three-pointer. Yes, oh, my.
1: The great Dick Enberg passing away at the age of 82. And, Paula, you being a uh, San Diegan, and you you know that uh, that's where Dick Enberg made his home. He's from Michigan. He's a Central Michigan uh, graduate. And then, did the uh, who's the radio guy for the John Wooden UCLA Bruins which is incredible to, to think uh, to be in, involved with all of that and all of those uh, stories and, and great players but uh, started to become a little bit more uh, recognizable on the national scene in the the 70s and 80s as the TV voice of the uh, California Angels and then uh, you would know him in his later years kind of a retirement job for him as the Padres Television play-by-play announcer.
2: Yeah, uh, I was reading up on him. Did seven Super Bowls, uh, a also million
1: French Opens, and the Masters, and he, Wimbledon.
2: He did the uh, a couple games that he did. He did the uh, Leon Lett, uh kick field goal touch uh, against the Dolphins on Thanksgiving, and he did uh, this this one. Do you want to hit the? Uh,
1: sure. Uh, you know, his- going back a little bit in chronological order, he did in the the late '60s the quote game of the century. Uh, Houston UCLA at the Astrodome, which was you know the first sort of hey, college basketball's a big deal. Then in 1979, the game that uh, really made college basketball kind of go into a, a new era was the uh, national championship game with Magic Johnson against Larry Bird. That was uh, kind of a big deal. And then uh, this in 1986, uh, one of his regular gigs for many, many years, the NFL on NBC.
0: a biner. Ernest Beiner. bumble bumble the ball and Denver
3: has recovered. Oh my!
0: Or have they? Let's wait for the official, Don Pylem. There's a war going on under that stack. There it is. Denver's ball at the two-yard line.
1: That was a great Biner pairing. He was part of the couple goal. of the great pairings of all time. First of all, the the modern. Uh, best college basketball broadcast team that uh, we've had, th- you know, three man booth here in recent years: Sean McDonough, Bill Raftery, Jay Billis. Fantastic! That was modeled after the original uh, group of three: Dick Enberg, Al McGuire, Billy Packer. Uh, they were phenomenal on uh, college basketball back in the day. And what you heard there was him with Merlin Olson. Um, and Merlin Olson, I remember. That, I remember that team, you know, broadcast team, just kind of growing up and watching. Uh, Games in the 80s and 90s, and as ex-jocks go that got into the booth, Merlin Olsen, great voice, great personality to him, and uh, Dick Enberg, classic. He didn't call a ton of Syracuse games, but uh, fans will remember he did do, one of the more recent ones would be the uh, aircraft carrier game in November of uh, 2012 in San Diego. The broadcast team for that game on television, Dick Enberg, Steve Kerr, Aaron Andrews. I mean, it doesn't get a lot, a lot bigger than that in terms of uh, big time, you know, megawatt personalities and uh, big dollars and and all of that. But those, you remember, well, you weren't there, Polly, but uh, or were you? Were you there? No, I wasn't. No, I didn't there. think so. But uh, they on the other side had the sun, so the whole game. Dick Enberg and Steve Kerr—they've got folders and clipboards and their paperwork up above their head to sort of block the sun and, and watch the game. But he was a, a tremendous gentleman, inspiration to a lot of people, you know, somebody who would be a mentor to me, like Sean McDonough, he looked up to Dick Enberg and, uh, would be the first to tell you that. And, and, uh, to be at the major network level for as long as he was, was an amazing career, NBC and, uh, CBS primarily for Mr. Enberg. But, uh, if you've seen Twitter today, a lot of people whose, uh, careers and paths that the, he crossed, um, uh, express their uh, sympathy as we do for uh, Dick Enberg's family. So we've we've lost a good one. The the phrase "Oh my!" It became uh, maybe a little trite there at the end. Worked it in uh, on a, an everyday basis, but uh, in in his heyday and his certainly in his wheelhouse. Oh my! Very uh, easy to pick up. On. <laughs> you know, I saw Coach Beheim from his Twitter account. So when you knew, when Dick Enberg showed up to do your game, you knew it was a big deal, and and uh, he was involved in a lot of. Very big things and a very genuine love for uh, the sports and the industry and the people that uh, he covered and, uh, and worked with. So uh, Dick Enberg, awfully good stuff. And uh, he passed away this morning at the age of 82. More to come for us here in the booth. When we continue, we'll get into the basketball game tonight. We'll talk with Jim Sadlin, former St. Bonaventure coach and our radio analyst uh, on the network Of course, we'll talk to him plenty tonight, but uh, get a little taste of what he's thinking about it uh, here in a few minutes. And Mike Waters when we come back from Syracuse.com to talk Orange Hoops. You're listening to In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
2: The
4: duel in the desert concludes today at 5.30. The Orange Women and UNLV, Orange pregame
1: at 5.15.
0: On the Pulse of the Orange, ESPN Radio 97.7 and 100.1. This is In the Booth. With Matt
1: Park. Welcome back in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse, brought to you by CH Insurance and Burdick Toyota. Good to have you along with us, and here until 3 o'clock today, weather permitting, the snow is piling up in our window here in the palatial studios of In the Booth, although we can't fool our next guest because he was just in this studio for the last... Uh, Couple of hours, you know how palatial it isn't, right, Mike?
3: Spacious, gold, you know, decking out. It's unbelievable. Where,
1: where were the donuts? By the way, you offered donuts, and I, did you leave them in here? Or are they? Were they? Max, they left?
3: Max should know where they are. If okay. You can't find them. Find Max.
1: Okay, I'm a little full after our uh, lunch down the street with the boys, but uh, we will never turn down a donut
3: a notch or two. It'll be all right. That's right.
1: Tis the season. I could one more donut, and I'll look like Santa Claus anyway with my big red sweater. Here comes Joe bringing in the donuts. Beautiful, Crazy. thank you, Joe. Found them. And Mike Waters is our guest uh, talking basketball. All oh, these are cute, Mike. Did you bring these in? I did. Is one I'm of these? Is this, uh, is this? Is this morning. the maple with the bacon kind of situation there? Because I might have to uh, fly one of that. Not. They're all all glazed. Those look fantastic. So we'll have to uh, take advantage. <laughs> Of uh, some Dunkin' Donuts. All right, good. Well, uh, you know, I'm excited about this game tonight. You know, when Maryland came in, there's a little bit of an extra buzz. This is a major conference opponent, ACC Big Ten Challenge, and uh, you know going in when you open the box, you're getting a legit game. And uh, I feel that way about this one with St. Bonaventure, a team that uh, was right on the cusp of making the tournament last year, brings back the uh, top-returning scoring duo in America in uh, Jalen Adams and Matt Mobley. And uh, they've got to be licking their chops here for what would be a really, really big win for St. Bonaventure if they could pull it off. So it's got all the makings.
3: Yeah, it, it does. Uh, you got Syracuse at ten and one. They have played really well. Uh, I think we, you know everybody has to, to give credit where credits due. Uh, a, a young team, especially with a young front court, uh, handled their business. Won ten games. The only one they've lost is, is to Kansas, a nationally ranked team on a neutral court. St. Bonaventure, very similar at nine and two. They stubbed their toe coming out of the box in their season opener against Niagara. But it was their first game of the year, and it was the first game without Jalen Adams, who's you know, their their you know, top – not not the top scorer this year, but a, a high-scoring guard who who does so much for them. And it was the first game they had to play with Adams. So they dropped out. The only other loss is to undefeated Texas Christian. Mm-hmm. So I think St. Bonaventure comes into this game thinking that, A – we're on equal footing with these guys. We can play with Syracuse. We're not some mid-major hoping to like catch lightning in a bottle and maybe upset uh, the Power Five conference team. I think they're coming in thinking they're, they're ready to, to, to come in here and, and play, you know, just eye to eye with these guys. But it also can be for them a nice little pelt uh, to put on the wall and be able to show the NCAA committee in March: hey, look, we've got a neutral court win over Maryland. We got a road win over Syracuse. Even if they don't win that a 10 tournament, this could be the type of game that puts Bonaventure into the NCAA field. For Syracuse, it's a game I think that you need to win because I think Bonaventure now really is probably the second best team on Syracuse's non-conference schedule. You already lost to Kansas. I think you need to get this
1: game. Well, there's no question that it's the second best team and the second biggest game on the non-conference uh, now that you've from a Syracuse perspective, you've survived the Maryland game. You know, mm-hmm. Maryland won last night, so they're 11 and 3. But uh, And they've had the couple of losses. We said uh, two of them are Syracuse and Bonaventure, as far as uh, Maryland's concerned. Going back quickly, just to fill in the blanks yeah. on your idea with uh, Jalen Adams being out, he missed the first six games. And the reason that Niagara was the first one, or maybe a surprise, you know, and sort of adjusting with his being out, he got his injury during the exhibition. Uh, season uh, in the first week of November turned his ankle but he's been back and strong he hasn't lit it up in every game but he's uh, had two 20-point games so far and Matt Mobley who's been maybe more consistently their leading scorer he's got five 20-point games so far and then the one game where he didn't really have it against another good mid-major in Vermont he came through and had the game-winning basket in Rochester last weekend.
3: Yeah, I, this is a very good team. They, I think they're going to be at the top of the eight ten 10 standings. Obviously, the strength of the team is the backcourt, starting with Mobley and, and, and Adams. But it'll be interesting to see, because if they get neutralized by Syracuse's starting backcourt or Frank Howard and Tyus Battle, who among the role players from either team can win this game for their team tonight if, if the backcourts do play to a standstill? Maybe they don't. You know, maybe one of the other gets the better of it tonight and that team will win. Uh, but if not, you know, who's got that other guy for Syracuse? O'Shea Brissett's obviously the one you're going to look to. You know, Bonaventure's got Courtney Stocker, a kid coming off the bench, averaging 11 a game. But, you know, the other kid that comes off the bench for him, Isaiah Brockington, I think he's just a freshman shooting 54% from three point range. You know, a guy Syracuse obviously has to be aware of as soon as he enters the game.
1: You know, there's been a few of those guys this early in the season that have the gaudy uh, three-point shooting numbers so far, and Circus has done, you know, maybe not. Well, let's put it this way: they've, for the most part, have shut down. You know, typically what happens with the zone is the best guy doesn't go off, but mm-hmm. maybe that you know, second or third, the uh, I call it the Jermaine Mopajila effect, that that. Uh, you know, third guy somewhere in there can sneak up and get you. And so uh, for Bonaventure, how good would uh, that next level of player be? And for Syracuse, how concerned are you are over the long haul, Mike, that so much of what's being done, at least in the scoring column, is done by three players? Is that sustainable? And, you know, how do you see that against the conference? Some teams
3: have great balance, or maybe they'll have five guys averaging in double figures. We've seen some Syracuse teams that have great balance. But I've also seen lots of teams that are predicated on a big three. Yes, sir. And it it, it can be sustained. But One way that you have to be able to sustain it is, do you have a way around those nights when one of your big three is off? Whether it's another team that has a standout defender, or a defensive game plan that takes one guy out. Do you have somebody else who can, can give you something Now Syracuse doesn't have like a, a shooter off the bench, uh, you know, somebody who can come in and, you know, on a given night, make three or four three pointers and, and, and give you 12 or 50. They don't have that. But I do like what I've seen lately out of both Matt Moyer and Marek Dolage when they don't create for themselves, but they're both pretty heady, smart guys. And if, their defender pays too much attention to a Frank Howard or a Tyus Battle. They move into the openings, they find a shot, and especially they they move towards the basket. Uh, And if you look at, like, a Matt Moyer, when he scores 12 like he did against the other night, against Buffalo, or when he has 18 against Connecticut, by and large, they're all around the rim. You know, there are passes from Frank Howard that end in dunks, or it's an offensive tip-in. And as long as those guys move move without the ball, and, and make themselves part of the offense, then I think Syracuse can can get by with this three-headed attack.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and I think something you just said is very obvious, but probably um, needs to be pointed out, and people aren't really noticing the, the impact of what Syracuse is doing on the offensive glass. So the thought of moving toward the basket, Matthew Moyer and O'Shea Brissett, that makes them much better offensive players, and Brissett in particular has really put his head down and driven to the basket, although he did have the threes against Georgetown. That, to me, was one of the main stories of the Buffalo game that uh, this guy's really good at getting to the Cup.
3: That's what I had heard about him before he got to Syracuse, uh, that he was an aggressive, athletic guy who who liked to go to the basket. And then early on in the year, we saw him shooting threes. And you know, I like think it was even in like either the orange-white scrimmage or a couple of the exhibitions. It's so like wow, he's he's comfortable out there. He's shooting threes. Then he wasn't really making a lot. Uh, so I I like the fact that yeah, the Georgetown game he made some, but I think still that this kid's bread and butter is going to be his ability to get into the lane and get to the rim. And I, I like the fact that he got fouled at Buffalo because early in the season he was getting close to the rim and doing so much to avoid contact so he could get his shot off they end up missing an off-balance shot and not getting the foul call either. I, I love the fact that, listen, accept that contact. Draw the foul. If you make the shot, great, but if you don't, you go to the line and, and you get that other team in the foul trouble at the same time.
1: Mike Waters is our guest, and that's often where strength and development comes in if a player does stick around for two and three years that in their freshman year, maybe they're knocked off balance and they go to the line for two. In mm-hmm. their sophomore and junior years, they have and ones.
3: Yeah, you, you think of guys like Hakeem Wark. Uh, by the time he was a junior and a senior, what he was able to do—you know—he went from a uh, role player, uh, you know, kind of, you know, the, the third wheel or fourth wheel on the national championship team in '03 to, you know, the in '04 and 05. 05, he's Big East Conference Player of the Year uh, because all of a sudden he was adding to his offensive game and, and like you said, going to the basket with such aggressiveness that he's he's making dunks and drawing fouls.
1: Mike Waters uh, with us just for another minute or so. The Orange Hand Saint Bonaventure tonight. Bonnies have their A ten opener being their next game for Syracuse. Uh, Rob Murphy and company come in with Eastern Michigan. Coach Beheim said on his show last night that he feels like this is the best team that Murph has had. And with the respect due to Bonnies and Eastern Michigan, what Syracuse is looking at here, Mike, as long as they can take care of business, is a twelve and one. Non conference schedule, which is the best anybody really could have hoped for before the season began.
3: Yeah, and somewhere out there, if he's driving around his car, Jim Beheim just yeah, was right. a little bit. He's well, like, Well, it wouldn't be the first know.
1: time <laughs> with us talking.
3: Yeah, don't, yeah, you know, they're not looking at it. You know, all the coaches are, are definitely worried about this game, and they've imparted that to the players. I heard Matt Moyer the other night. We played a clip earlier today on Stephen Fonnie's show where Matt Moyer is saying, Listen, we don't play our A game tonight, we lose. Yeah. That this is, this, this, this is, and he's right. And, and if the players understand that, then they're, they're, all, they're in good shape. But this St. Bonaventure team is not some mid-major uh, that has to have everything go right in order to pull off a win tonight. St. Bonaventure can win tonight. Straight up. Just a few years. You know, yes, exactly. So this is, this is a big one. And coaches worry about these games around Christmas, after finals. The students are gone. I think Syracuse kind of had that game the other night against Buffalo, but in a late, maybe that Buffalo, uh, the tightness of that game, uh, allowed the coaches to kind of get the players' attention going into this one.
1: Buffalo gave Texas A&M all it wanted last night. A&M suspended a bunch of players uh, just prior to the game. Uh, Buffalo was down only a couple at halftime, and that was a close game with maybe three minutes to go, and then uh and m pulled away down the stretch i uh, yeah
3: i watched that game buffalo towards the end looked like a team that had played in syracuse on tuesday and flown all the way yeah. to texas and was you know playing another game just it, that's a brutal schedule i was really unfair to those kids they 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 were game man they hung in there and they made threes but the last 4 minutes of the game you could just see they were fumes
1: well that was as bad a travel as i've heard of recently for a, a program that's not uh, destitute you know they they flew yeah. they flew commercially from syracuse to dallas um and then it's a three-hour ride to Coward Station. But wait, the flight intended for Dallas actually landed in Little Rock. So they had another flight on top of that. And what, what a mess. So I don't know what time they actually got uh, situated. But I'm sure they didn't have their, their legs under them. I eavesdropped on the uh, the call that the television people had with Mark Schmidt, the St. Bonaventure coach, yesterday. And he th- said something interesting Mike, about this last game before Christmas that we all, you know, those of us in the media that are cliche ridden, we, we always throw out these concepts about, oh, this must be a tough game to keep the players focused. He loves the fact that he's got a road game, uh, you know, just down the road, a drivable game for them on the bus, that uh, an opponent that will get his team's attention as the last right. game before Christmas.
3: Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, it's a it's a opponent like a Syracuse. He doesn't have to explain to his kids. You know, how good this team is or what they have to do. He's going to have their attention during all the scouting reports and film sessions. You, you don't have to play in front of, like, uh, your own arena with your fans gone, you know, a lot of the students gone. You know, the Riley Center is such an amazing home court advantage. Right. You, when you play there, if you're Bonaventure, you want to play with the students there. You're willing to, to go on the road at this time of year. Um, and like, and it's not like he's going very far field, like you said, yeah. a bus ride. So I think it's perfect for Bonaventure, for Syracuse. You know, they're going to have to, you know, make sure that these kids don't already have, you know, visions of sugar plums dancing in their heads and, and, and worried about and worried about like, you know, their ride home tomorrow. Um, you know, they have to make sure that they're focused on this one. And you know, a, a lot of people around the country are watching this game too. I saw first thing this morning, John Rothstein. Uh, you know, normally he puts out three, four, five games of the night. His first tweet was oh, this. This game tonight was his big game focus on this, and then he sent out a second tweet with his three or four other games to watch. So I, I think not just us up here are watching this game. I think this is a game that's being looked at all around the country because this could end up being a game where you detangle some people come NCAA tournament time. And yeah. when you're making selections for, for at-large bids, you know a, a Bonaventure win at Syracuse gets, gets the Bonnies in, a Syracuse home win over uh, a really good A-10 team, perhaps another bubble team, uh, that's going to look good on the resume too.
1: Yep, looking forward to it uh, for sure. It's a 7 o'clock tip-off tonight, and uh, we'll see you up at the Dome. How, how are you doing uh, on the Santos Workshop Department?
3: I have everything under control. I basically wrapped it up this morning. Uh, wow. So now we just have to sneak some things into the house, do a little bit of wrapping, and uh, I think I'm okay. I, gotta, I, gotta, I have to put one thing together tomorrow, Whoa. Uh, but it's already in the house, and, and hopefully it'll be okay. And It's not for one of the kids, so my, uh, I'm, I'm going to enlist my son to help.
1: Beautiful, <laughs> and you brought donuts. I mean, it's really impressive.
3: I'm like Santa's helper today.
1: Fantastic. All right, good to see you, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll see you up there with your elf shoes on and all that a little bit later, okay? <laughs> Matt, we'll see you up there. Thanks. <laughs> That's Mike Waters from Syracuse.com. We're going to have him on on a regular basis on Thursdays starting in 2018 and the ACC schedule. All right, back with Joe next. Jim Sadlin to follow. Jam-packed last show of 2017 for us in the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.
0: Get on the block with Brent Axe.
2: The head coach of the Syracuse Football Orange, Dino Babers, on the block. If I was signing with Syracuse today, what comes to mind is, is the tweet that I would get.
3: That it was not my cherry tree. It was not his cherry tree. That Brent got the axe for.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. That's that's beautiful. Right off the cuff. On the block with Brent Axe, 4 to 6. ESPN Radio 97.7, 100.1, 1200 a.m. and 1440 a.m. Live from the dboffers.com, powered by Drivers Village Studio. This is ESPN Radio. 97.7 FM, Syracuse. And 100.1 FM, Oswego. Do we care? Interesting. I doubt it. No wait. Tedious, But we will do this segment anyway. Don't care Here's Joe Salzo. Vince McMahon more.
4: taking another step toward relaunching the XFL. The pro wrestling mogul sold $100 million worth of WWE stock to fund Alpha Entertainment, which is separate from his wrestling company. It's believed McMahon is looking to reboot the XFL, his football league, which folded after a single season in 2001.
1: That'd be amazing to have that much play money. Just, ah, eh, we'll just earmark a little bit over here to maybe see if launching another entire football league works. I think it could maybe possibly work, unless the complete opposite. Like, I, I, I have a hard time judging whether there's a market for more football or completely none. I mean, the ratings are going down and, and whatever. It's really going to come down to how they deal with violence, whether they're going to have a lot of it and. Promote it, or not?
2: You could have three quarterbacks in that league that I would watch in a heartbeat: Michael Vick, Tim Tebow, Think Johnny Man- going to play Johnny at, Manziel at XFL, and Colin Kaepernick. I would watch all three of those guys' quarterback football thieves. Well,
1: Tebow, you wouldn't watch him quarterback it well. You
2: wouldn't watch any of them quarterback it well, but they would. It would be. I would watch just to watch them. Kaepernick's
1: play. probably the only one that could line up with a team and move the ball.
2: You don't have no faith in Johnny football?
1: No. Don't look at me. I don't. Blake done any- with that LA? sandwich yet,
4: Joe? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still working on it. A former NBA referee under arrest, Tim Donahue, was nabbed by authorities on Tuesday in Florida after allegedly threatening a man with a hammer. Donahue is uh, charged with felony aggravated assault the ex-official spent 13 months behind bars for betting on nba games he officiated
1: yeah he obviously has uh, major issues and quite probably a screw loose but then your next story I think puts that all in perspective. Yeah. It's all all shades of gray when it comes to how loose your screws are.
4: Yeah, here's a fine way of ending the show for 2017. A Staten Island man with an apparent lifelong fear of the Tasmanian devil cartoon claims his father-in-law has spent years terrorizing him with a toupee. Mazin Bayem
1: is accusing... Don't you think the ellipsis there was an important part <laughs> of the, the writing?
4: I thought... I'm, has I'm-
1: spent years terrorizing him. With a toupee.
4: Medium to high speed is what I'm on right now. Okay. Uh, Mazin Bam is accusing Eunice Dole of purposefully wearing a, a bushy hairpiece that, is, that resembles the old Looney Tunes character. Those
1: are names that would, would be <laughs> just the same if you said them backwards. That's
4: probably right. <laughs> uh, Dole was arrested last month for violating a restraining order against Dam, who says the experience has also made him afraid of wigs. A lot to digest there.
1: Yeah, I don't even want to know where you start looking. Looking for these things. You have plenty of time to digest, though. You,
4: I see what he did there. Yeah. Do we care is brought to you by Cam. Thank you, Polly. No problem. It's brought to you
1: by Cam's Pizzeria. Cam's love it for a slice. What about Yosemite Sam? He would be another <laughs> character that might terrorize people. From, Foghorn Leghorn. I yeah, say. I'll say, I'll say. Oh my god. Those are the. That's when cartoons were really good.
2: Did you? Uh, we we mentioned something earlier, Joe. And mm-hmm. I don't want to bring this up. That you wanted to be a mortician as a child. Did yeah, you, when I was
4: like fifteen or sixteen.
2: Oh, that's not a child. Okay, no, That's a little
1: different. But it that's is when you're
4: in your when you're in your thirties. That now, had to be a now, very
1: like dark period on. for you.
4: Oh, it's been a it's been thirty three years of a dark period, man. How do you end we're up in the? We're going to radio. get
1: into that a little bit more, but we're you know I'd rather save time for one of my favorite people in the world, Jim Sadlin, who's an upbeat, positive, well meaning, <laughs> thoughtful person. I don't really want to carve into that time with whatever went wrong for you in your formative years that...
4: I'll open up to you in January. Why
1: is it that you know that there are 26 stages of...
4: I think when you're interested in pursuing a line of work, you want to learn as much as you can. Mm -hmm. There's a reason I don't have many friends and Well, I was going to say, do you
1: think it's appropriate... You know, we went out for a nice holiday lunch. We're having some burgers (laughs) down the street and enjoying ourselves. Yeah. you thought that was appropriate to bring up and to share? I'm,
4: I'm not very good in social situations.
1: Well, that's been noted. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Happy New Year, Joe. Happy New Year. He, he's the Tasmanian devil of this show. Yeah, he's... he's <laughs> the whirling dervish he's of boring. something up, yeah. All right, back with Jim Saddle and talking Bonnie's next. In the booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse. <laughs>
0: Tonight, it's the Crunch and the Belleville Senators through the fifth time this season up in Belleville. Join us for Countdown to Crunch Time at 6.45 and the Punk Drop at 7 on K Rock. This is In the Booth with Matt
1: Park. In the Booth on ESPN Radio, Syracuse, brought to you by Burdick Toyota and CH Insurance. Fine folks at both of those. We thank them for their support of the show and hope to have everybody back at it in 2018. Last show, last segment of In the Booth for this year. And we would rather spend it with nobody other than our friend Jim Sadlin, who I know has to be jacked up. This is a little bit of an early Christmas for you tonight, Coach, as the Bonnies come to the Carrier Dome. Pretty
5: fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm uh, I'm excited about it. It's uh, almost brings me back to my old coaching days here. Got a little butterflies and <laughs> ready to go here. It's uh, an exciting day, and it's uh um so yeah, we're looking forward to it. Hopefully, the weather will it'll cooperate a little bit and get all these Bonnie fans in here from Albany and Rochester and Buffalo to watch this uh, exciting game tonight.
1: Well, looking out the window, where a while ago it was snowing very hard, I don't see it snowing at all here downtown. So hopefully, that's the end of it, and people can. Uh, clean up the roads and we can get them uh, in and out safely tonight and for those that uh, are on the road you can tune into us uh, beginning at 5 30. I'm excited for you Sats to be able to coach both teams here tonight because I know uh, you love the the various machinations and the, the way that lineups move around and uh, how to do that type of thing and you're always keeping an eye on the Bonnies. so uh, it'll be pretty cool to uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor a lot here tonight
5: yeah well thanks you know it's um of course bonaventure's close to my heart i, I yeah. played there i coached there i uh, met my wife there we had three of our children born there um so we've always had fond memories of of saint bonaventure great friends that are still there and uh uh and you know syracuse is my my second love here i mean i've, I've really been with him for a long long time and been friends with jim bayham for a long time and and uh watch this program in awe. Uh, quite frankly for a long time as well. And uh, so this should be, this should be one of the more competitive games that they've had in a long, long time. And, you know, when a team dominates a series like Syracuse has in this 24 to three, um, that, you know, that's not really a rivalry when you win that many games and there hasn't been that many close games recently, but you know, this is could be a lot different this year. Bonaventure is a good basketball team and, uh, They've had two comparative games against the University of Buffalo and, and Maryland, and, and Syracuse has won both, um, both, both very close games here in the, the Dome. Um, Bonaventure won at UB by 9 or 10 and uh, beat Maryland in a, in a uh, neutral game down in Florida by a couple without their star guard, Jalen Adams. So this this shapes up to be a really competitive-type game, and, uh, um, you know, it always – comes back to can teams make threes against Syracuse because that's the only way you really can beat this zone. And uh,
1: Bonaventure certainly has the the capability of doing that. You know, I want to back up just a second because you had mentioned, uh, you know, your hopes with the weather and everything that uh, the Bonnies fans from the surrounding area can make their way in. I, Bonaventure more than other teams that come into the Dome, to me, Sat's, It seems like they come out of the woodwork. Like maybe there's people that were passing on the streets here all the time for the other 51 weeks of the year that you don't know are Bonneys. And then, um, you know, I know a couple just that are friends or whatever. And then, boy, they're they're really into it. Obviously, the Riley Center is a tremendous environment. But, uh, you know, if you start to list the teams that are going to bring the most fans to the Dome this year as visitors, Bonaventure is probably right at the top.
5: Yeah, I would think so. You know, I mean, they gave them 500 tickets to start with, and they sold out immediately. And uh, and there'll be a bunch of other people that are, you know, just buying tickets and coming in. And it's really, come honestly, man, it's a no-brainer. I mean, this should be a game that they play every year. Yeah, um, Syracuse. It's always if it's during the break like this, there's no students. You know, Christmas time is going to knock down a few people from going to a game, and. And Bonaventure, you know, travels well. They have a big uh, alumni group in the Syracuse, Central New York area, and certainly, as I mentioned, in Albany and Rochester and -hmm. Buffalo. And it it brings back memories. It was similar to what you and I talked about last week when Syracuse and Georgetown was such great rivalry there. I mean, there there was a really big rivalry between Bonaventure and Syracuse you know, in the 70s and in the early 80s and when before the Big East and the two teams were the top two teams, you know, certainly in, in New York, but, but a lot of times they were the best two teams in the East. And uh, that only made for great games and, and, and so on. So, I, you know, I think people are excited about that. Plus, in fact, Syracuse is 10-1, unexpectedly so. Uh, bottom issues is 9-2, you know, maybe unexpectedly so. Um, so there's two teams that are high-quality teams playing against each other in a game, you know, three days before Christmas. So you don't even normally see that. And uh, But it, it'll be an exciting night, I think, whether you're a Syracuse fan or a State fan, and you know, it should be a very competitive game.
1: Tell us about uh, Mark Schmidt, one of your successors at uh, St. Bonaventure, uh, former assistant at Xavier, uh, you know, Boston College guy. Uh, where is he? How long uh, might he stay there? We only have a minute. I'm sorry.
5: Yeah, that's okay. You know what? He's he's a terrific basketball coach. Number one, he's done a fabulous job at Bonaventure. He's found players and brought them in, and that other guys hadn't recruited. Um, he signed a contract, somewhat long contract. He's making a, a significant amount of money for only in New York. Um, he's got a, a, a. I think he likes it there. I think he likes what he's doing. Um, he's been able to be very successful. Uh, you know, is is the grass greener someplace else? Maybe maybe he can make a lot more money somewhere else, but. You know, I think he's happy right now, and I know the Bonaventure people are thrilled with him because he's one of the, he really is one of the top coaches in the country. I really truly believe that. Well, uh, can't wait for it tonight.
1: As as we said, it's kind of Christmas come early for you. Looking forward to the storylines. We'll see you up there in a bit. Drive safely, okay?
5: All right. Thanks, Matt. Look forward to it, too.
1: All right. That's Jim Saddle, former St. Bonaventure coach, our analyst on the IMG Sports Network, and uh, looking forward to being there. All right. We had some fun in this. uh, Calendar year of 2017, back at it uh, after the first of the year for Polly and Joe, the whole crew. Happy holidays, everybody. This is In the Booth on ESPN Radio Syracuse.